The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to join us for the Sport of Kings here on Winning Ponies, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Not just the name of the show, it's the name of the site that you need to check out for yourself, www.winningponies.com. Check it out. I don't think you'll go wrong. I think you'll be enlightened. I think you'll enjoy what you'll see. Winningponies.com. Check it out. Winning Ponies doing well. $6.6 million. That's year-to-date for exotic payouts. That's pretty, pretty darn good shooting. I say that each and every week because it just keeps growing and gets to get a little sweeter every week. Winning Pony is doing well this entire year, and there are a few circuits that I personally look in on. Santa Rosa, you know, I kind of like it. I, I've really fallen in love with Santa Rosa. Del Mar, I, I do each and every year, even though I, I'm not the synthetic uh, wave, waver of the flag. I, I like Del Mar and the spa. Mondays are a little tough. I have to, have to admit, Mondays are a little tough at the spa, but I enjoy the weekends especially especially the turf racing for me. If you look at all of the tracks that are mentioned in the biggins, you will see that they're even spread. There's no bias, no lacking at any oval. Testimonial stories, free selections, blogs, and, of course, the predictions. Once again, check it out at www.winningponies.com. Check it out on Twitter. And this Saturday, you can download a free copy of River Downs. River Downs are doing pretty well there. You can download your free copy this Saturday at Winning Ponies. Just go to winningponies.com, download your free copy of River Downs. think you will be pleased, but you're not going to get it unless you dial it up yourself. What's on the docket for tonight? Recap from exciting weekend of last. Peek at some Winning Ponies action, biggins, etc. Our second segment this evening, one of the greatest Minds in thoroughbred racing, Mr. Andy Beyer, big-time guest. Looking forward to that tremendously. News from the world of racing, final furlong handicapping with yours truly. I think we're going to get a little jingle from our old friend Pistol Pete Aiello, the mule man, going to check in with a little horse or two, a little reaction to what's happening out there. So, to get you caught up, if in case you missed it, you missed a nice little weekend. Mammoth Park Race 9 last week, and the My Frenchman stakes 100000 up for grass. Winners, the one, a unique treasure. Elvis Trujillo aboard, wins by a length and three quarters, paying 1440 for Jane Sabelli. That was on the turf. That was a nice little 
payout there. Mammoth Race 10, the Colleen Stakes, 5.5 on the dirt, 100,000 up for grabs. Winner of the 8, 12 pack, Shelly Harry Vega. Been playing his trade for many moons, wins by a length. Shook clear held well, paying $7 for John Salzman Jr. Saratoga race number nine, the test stakes a grade one, seven on the dirt. Winner, number three, Champagne Dior, Miguel Mena. Told you this kid would come back. Go back and podcast me. I said he'll overcome some demons and he'll make his way back. Miguel Mena wins by four and a half lengths. Prompted between and driving, 1240 on the win end here for Eric Lay. And I believe it was a year to the day when he had that little I'm going to say falling off the wagon when he didn't make it down for the West Virginia Derby. Race 10, Saratoga, the Whitney. Grade 1, a mile and an eighth on the dirt. Whew, what a race. Have you missed it? Please go back and take a look at this on any, any type of casting that you can. Blame and Quality Road. Toss it down. Quality Road has the lead by a length and a half. It's dwindling down. Blame tips off the rail about the quarter pole. Angles out under Garrett Gomez. In the final, Shadow of the Wire gets up by a head. Blame gets up by a head. Inside, four wide at the quarter pole, paying 880 to win for Al Stahl Jr. Quality Road did not lose the race. Blame just won it. Incredible, incredible action there. You missed a really good race. As I said, go back and take a look at the replay of it. It's out there everywhere. It's on Equidale Daily Racing Form site. You'll be hard-pressed not to find it. You can take a look at it on a blood horse. You name it, you'll find it. Woodbine Race 8, the Duchess Stakes. And this is a nice little race for $150,000. Winner is the four sharp secretary, or Eurico da Silva. This guy is an all-weather man. Wins by a length and a quarter. Light in the drive, 8-10 to win. Very nice. Watch this guy on the on the synthetic poly. When he shifts out, I mean, Eureka De Silva, especially when he rides for Reed Baker. Race number nine at Delmar, the Clement L. Hirsch. Mile 16th on the all-weather, $300,000 up for grabs. Winner, Zenyatta. Zenyatta wins by neck. Five wide into the lane, gamely. I mean, very gamely, paying 220 to win for John Sheriffs. Settled off the rail, began to advance outside the second turn. Fan five wide in the stretch. And Zenyatta is a perfect 18 for 18. Two more, and you get the record. Zenyatta, what a run. I think sometimes she just plays with them. She's like a big kid. She's coming down the lane, and she just plays around with them a little bit. Kind of like that. Kind of makes it exciting. Talk about exciting. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? At River Downs, 70-year-old jockey wins a stakes race at River Downs in a quarter horse race. Quarter horse racing at River, they ship him with a, a small meet, which means we'll run a couple of races one day, and a couple of weeks later we'll run a couple of races. And these are very nice, very nice quarter horse races indeed. Richard Rattel was born into the sport of horse racing. Obviously, he had no rush to get out of the game. 70-year-old winner of the quarter horse, Fearless Fred, in the $15,000 Queen City Dash River Downs. Get this. He rode the mother and the grandmother of this runner. And he just <laughs> rode a winner on his brother of the, of the uh, fearless Fred at Mount Pleasant recently. Grew up in Baileyville, Kansas. Took out his jockey license in the 20s. 
now, now, this is the part I like the best. Right now, we've got about 50 horses. My wife, Carol, trains the quarter horses, and I handle the thoroughbreds. I only gallop 8 to 10 each day. Think of your hardest workout, multiply it times 3, and that is working one out. He only gallops 8 to 10. I saw him in the paddock. He could probably take a chip right off your shoulder. This guy is in tip-top shape. He's as tough as a nickel steak. He really set a, a beautiful standard. He just sat stock still as soon as they came out of the gate, pointed his animal right towards the wire, and got it done. Richard Rattel, you are the man. And he finished up in that race, had his fearless bread, winning by half a length, paying $5 even to win for Carol Rattel. So they got a nice little, uh, nice little drive down the lane, 70 years old in the settlement. To me, that, that in itself just says what shape he's kept himself into. It sounds like he's just a, a hardworking man. There was a wonderful interview, and this is also available on Equidale. You'll pick it up on the Pollock Report. You'll pick it up on Blood Horse. Check it out at Little River Downs. A 70-year-old rider picks up a stakes win, and as I said, the quarter horse meet is here and there. we got a couple races on a Tuesday. You'll see it about another Tuesday later, the last two races on the day. It was really exciting for a 70-year-old rider. And actually, he didn't look bad in the saddle. He looked tremendous. I think the younger guys could really take a, take a lesson or two from Mr. Rattel. Congratulations. Milestones to mention, Russell Bass closing in on 11,000. Closing in on 11,000. That could happen in the drop of a dime. Bill Mott reaches 4,000 wins. Billy Mott, I'll tell you what, nice year for him. Sent a Drosselmeyer. And uh, in, in the Belmont, and, and I thought, you know, boy, this is going to be a great year for Billy Mott. I, I love his, his training, especially when they're on the turf. Kent Sormo, they team up very nicely together. Since had his 4,000th winner, 57 years old, best known for campaigning two-time horse of the year cigar. He reached 3,999 with a two-year-old filly, Havanta, in race number two at Saratoga on Friday. August 6th, hit the 4,000 win mark with Mystic. I did have that one. I do remember that one. And that was in race, it was in uh, 7th at Saratoga on Saturday, August 7th. Mott's first winner came at age 15 when he won a race at Bush Tracks at Dakota for $320 with a horse by the name of My Assets. And, you know, the best part about it, I, I read this and, you know, kind of just made you, made you kind of go back and think that it's not all about Billy Mott. He said there have been a multitude of people that really helped. It's not just me. There's 4,000 winners. It's the entire crew, grooms, hot walkers, riders, a multitude of owners. He's happy. He's blessed all along, all around. And he passes, he passes out the accolades to everyone else, which I see as a, as a consummate professional, Billy Mott just really getting down and, and making it happen. So for me, you know, that, that's, he's, he's one, of my, one of my favorite trainers. As far as you know, watching him, uh, you know, bring his horses over. I'll see him at Keeneland a bit, and uh, I, I'm in the Northern Kentucky area. I'll see him at Keeneland. I'll see him at Churchill, and I'll see Kent Sormo aboard for him. And, and it's always a lot of fun. Belmont's horses always come over, and they always look good. Now I, I have to admit, I, I don't have the sharpest eye, you know, for for dissecting down. Well, this horse looks X amount better than the other, but Belmont's horses always have a gleam. And, and, and I know a lot of this is attributed to how they're treated, you know, the, their feeding regimen, 
and they just come over and they look like a million dollars. And I and I've heard so many stories on Billy Mott of people people and, and usually they're kind of tongue in cheek stories of and they're from older horsemen that say when he you know he was coming up. You know, that, uh, you know, he was kind of quiet. Uh, you know, he really didn't pester anybody, didn't bother anybody, but yet he asked a lot of questions without saying a lot. So I think he was just uh, observing so many, you know, older horsemen, many people that aren't going to be in the Hall of Fame, such as Bill Mott, but in fact they were, they were a big part of his successes. And, and as the, the part of the story that, that really drew me in from the Naira site was that he actually passed around all of the credit. To me... That is what a professional is all about. So that's what's been going on. You've heard a little bit of the recaps. You've heard some milestones. Russell Bays. I mean, they don't pay much, but, hey, Russell the muscle, he gets it done in Northern California. Doesn't have to go anywhere else. Well, it is time to head out to our first break. And when we return, we'll be chatting with the man who revolutionized and legitimized the racing sport of kings as we know it, Mr. Andy Byer. But you're only going to get it if you stay here for more Winning Ponies. On my Silverado grill And I buy the bar double round the crown And everybody's getting down in this town Ain't never going to be the same Cause I settle up my horse And I ride into the city Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. And thank you for taking your time to join us this evening. This is our second segment where we have on our special guest of the week, and this week is no exception. Winning Ponies is honored and pleased to have on one of the greatest minds in thoroughbred racing and the author of four best-selling books of handicapping racing, Mr. Andy Byer. Andy, are you there? I am here, Ed. Uh, Thank you for that introduction. Well, thank you, sir, and thanks for your time. Uh, Andy, jumping right into it, I I understand that uh, time is of the essence here, uh, and and hopefully the lights come back on. Uh, I wanted to jump right in from the beginning of Andy Byer. When did you fall in love with racing, and when did it actually captivate Andy Byer? I actually uh, uh, recently celebrated, uh, just last week, my anniversary of my first trip to a racetrack, which was August 8, 1956, at Randall Park. And uh, I was hooked from the beginning uh by the time I was in high school, I was, you know, I was, I was, you know, betting with a bookie. Uh, when I got to college, uh, I said, you know, like this, this is, uh, you know, this, this is going to be my life, and uh, you know, so, so it has really been a, a you know, a lifelong passion. Uh, <clears throat> you know, in the early '70s, I got really serious about handicapping and gambling and and started developing my speed figures and uh uh you know that's you know it's it's consumed me ever since well uh, many people can speak to that right there it it is it's a game that either it grabs you by the horns fully or it's just something that you'll you'll visit but uh I have to say that I'm I'm in that fraternity. Maybe I'm not at that uh, that upper level, but uh, I'm part of that. It grabbed me and at a young age as well, and as many others, and that I see day in and day out the track, and they love it just the same from the cheap to the to the uh, to the Saratoga Del Mar runners. From the fascination of a young lad, uh, your course uh, took you right into Harvard, and you were you were studying and and you were close to the track which is kind of a dangerous duo there how did that play out for you well i i didn't get my diploma but uh you know life worked out well anyway <laughs> but, you know at uh, there were four uh, you know at the time the new england racing circuit was thriving i mean i could get to four race tracks from uh from harvard square and uh uh, you know that you know that's you know where I uh, you know where I really uh, got got hooked. 
So you passed up on the final of Chaucer, but you right. received your master's at the, in uh, racing uh, exactly. uh, 700. That, that, is, uh, that, that is quite the life, I, I would have to say. That, uh, I, that would have been hard-pressed there. And it was the 66 Belmont, correct? Uh, that is right. Uh, Amberoid was the winner. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> obviously this was not... At the time, this did not appear to be, you know, the smartest of life decisions. But, uh, you know, it, it sort of put me on the uh, on the track that I was, uh, uh, you know, I think I was cut out to be on as a as a journalist and a gambler. Well, their loss is definitely our gain, and <laughs> I'm sure it was uh, quite a chancy proposition at the time, but it, it looks, in from everything that I've read and, and continue to read in the forum in the Washington Post, it, it, it looks like it's, uh, it's unfolding quite nicely. The buyer figures are known from the novice to the everyday player, though I'd like to say the hardcore player. And uh, how were your figures initially received by, by readers, players, etc.? Uh, well, Initially, my the, the concept was really received with total skepticism. I, I you know, I, I was viewed as a you know like a raving maniac. Uh, you know when you know when I, uh, you know when I first started you know working with speed figures just as a gambler. I mean the the you know the whole uh, racing community basically believed in class and thought that time didn't mean anything. And when I wrote my uh, first book, Picking Winners, that was published in 1975, uh, you know the I say the majority of the racing community, the overwhelming majority, you know, just totally disbelieved the idea that time was you know uh, you know a an adequate measurement of horses' ability. I mean, now there were. You know, you know there were hardcore or potentially hardcore readers of picking winners who got the message, who got into it, uh, uh, you know, and and started doing their own figures. But there was overwhelming skepticism, and so I mean that you know the uh, what what for me personally, you know, one of the great things about the publication of the figures in the racing form, you know, has been that. Uh, that people, uh, you know, even you know the, you know the former skeptics have seen, you know, what a, what a powerful uh, tool speed figures are. That it, you know, it, I, I will not say it is, you know, the be all and end all of, you know, uh, uh, you know, analyzing horses, but it's, you know, it's probably the most, you know, figures are the most uh, important single tool. And I, I, you know, I think you know a, a large percentage of the racing public has come to see that, and that you know it's quite gratifying. When I initially <laughs> see the buyer speed figures, it actually points me in a direction, and from there, uh, every handicapper has their own method and method to their madness. And uh, right there, I use that as a divining rod. Okay, I'm moving in this direction. Okay, I'm eliminating. For me, I'm. I'm I'm able to eliminate maybe 20 to 25 percent. Maybe that number may be a little high, but but I'm able to eliminate uh, some runners. Well, there was a time, you know, before people had access to figures, and I'm not saying this just about ours, but you know the, you know the the, the sheet numbers as well, or you know that you know. If, but 
when people, when racing people did not have access to speed figures, they, you know, they would routinely see horses who, like, who had won a race by a big margin, you know, who'd looked visually impressive and, say, had run a figure of 60, and now they were running against horses who'd run in the 80s, and they'd say, gee, this horse with a 60 looks like a champ. You know, now nobody, you know, almost nobody falls into that trap. And, uh, uh, and, and, and you're right. I mean, that, that, uh, you know, that horses who are, are clearly overmatched, you know, you can now just see at a glance. You know, after using your figures for, for many moons now, and when, in fact, uh, did you feel that, uh, a mathematical model could be applied as a consistent tool. Was there a gambler, a mentor, or somebody that actually pointed the direction that this, this could actually be used day in and day out? Well, I started, I had a, there was a, a, a friend of mine in college who I think had read an article about some rudimentary speed handicapping system, but they say, you know, I, I just started gambling, you know, with the figures and then I, I had one colleague, Clint, the late Clem Florio from the Baltimore News American, who was also a, a figure-oriented player whom I met in the Maryland press boxes, who you know who, who really encouraged me. But it was it was mostly just from from doing it and betting and finding out that you know that I could uh, win money using the figures that uh, you know that that validated the theory. And in fact, uh, I, I would have to say that every every horse player out there has tried to develop their own system. If you're if you're long playing in the game, and if you've been in it for I'll say more than ten years, at some time or another, someone has tried some sort of mathematical application to uh, to try to do, you know find their way in the darkness and. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, sold right there as well as so many people are. I've read your books. And, and you know, is, there's a couple that actually took, a, took two times to actually read because I wanted to just digest everything that I, I didn't want to miss anything. And, and I found it to be very helpful for me. And something that, uh, that, that I'm still in the dark about, and, and I wanted to ask you, what, if any, are your feelings about uh, handicapping on the synthetic surfaces? Well, you know, I... Uh, you know, personally, I don't like them just just because I'm getting old, <laughs> and uh, and they have t- and the synthetic version of horse racing is so much different from you know the racing I've known all my life that my feeling is you know I don't you know I, at this stage of life I don't want to learn. Uh, or try to learn a new game, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. Uh, from the from the the standpoint of uh, of doing speed figures on the synthetics, you know, although no, you know, you know, I'm, you know, we we have revised our 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 figure methodology, you know, specifically for synthetics. I think we're probably ahead of everybody else in terms of doing figures on synthetics, but there is, you know, one aspect of the of the racing that uh you know that just you know 
is you know throws a monkey wrench into into any speed figures, and that is the frequent, ridiculously slow paces in you know synthetic track racing that everybody comes out of the gate race rating. Uh, you know, h- horses don't run all out from start to finish, and uh, you know, I I think that's you know that, that you know I I don't think that's great for the sport. Uh, you know, or speed is what has you know, kind of made the American thoroughbred great, but it also uh, you know it also creates problems for uh, 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 you know you know, for anybody trying to make figures. Uh, I mean, yesterday out at Del Mar, there was, you know, a much uh, talked about horse to the name of uh, Goggles Goggles McCoy, uh, who who won the, uh, who had won three in a row, and then yesterday, Uh you know, won the the feature at at, at Del Mar. I mean, this is, he ran in a way that was like, inconceivable in like you know the history of california racing until the synthetics came in he 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 ran the first quarter of a seven furlong race in like 24.5 seconds and the half in you know in like 48 something and i uh, uh, and i know 24.5 is correct and you go that slow, you can't run a fast final time. So that the, uh, you know the, you know the, the, you know the races, the running of the races, can be so fluky because of the pace that all of our traditional, you know, measurements of horses, you know, are uh, you know are, are thrown off. So you know, for a lot of reasons, I don't like the synthetics. I concur, and it was painful at first, but uh, I've come to grips with it. Yes, I think I'm getting old, and, <laughs> and I think the uh, the old dog new tricks is uh, is uh, is actually working in there. And if, to me, Andy, it, it seems like there, there's more exciting finishes. I don't know if uh, I don't think that was uh, necessarily uh, a point for the for the tracks. It's I liken it almost to turf racing, as you alluded to, uh, that uh, you know everybody's not out of the gate and it doesn't have that blistering speed. I just really don't know what to make of it, and I think uh, only time will tell. I was a little, a uh, little sullen that that California jumped in with both feet and hands and and everything else that uh, that they all went to. Uh, well, I, you know, I can I could see the transition to synthetics for you know tracks like Woodbine and Turfway Park that are mm-hmm. in horrible weather uh, areas. Although you know they're, they're, you know the synthetics and at those tracks have had a ton of problems anyway but in california california was was all about speed and raw speed <clears throat> was what made california racing distinctive and what made california horses you know so good you know the california horses would would come east and they wouldn't have the pedigrees or look that good on paper, but just their raw speed, you know, they would blow the good New York horses off the track. And and horse players, I mean, every serious player in California, you know, was oriented towards, you know, toward, you know, the importance of early speed. And then, you know, overnight, they somebody dictates speed will no longer be important. And you you wonder why there are fewer Cal, uh, California horse players now. It, I think it is really uh, you know this 
uh, transition has has really done damage to the game out there. Home of the six horse fields, yep. north and south now. Andy, one final question, if I may ask you, uh, I, I want to lift my game to a higher level, and I know many others do as well. Uh, what bullet points should I keep in my, my top mental pocket as I been beginning each day? Is there, is there a buyer figure that jumps out, or say if he ran an 80 this time and a, and a 92, is there something out there as far as a, a figure? No, you if, know, look, as, as the, you know, I, I, I would like to say that, that, that there that there was, but as you know, as the figures have become, you know, so uh, accepted and you know, and you know, and you know, and seen by so many people, you really have to, uh, you know, to uh, you know, incorporate, you know, do, let's say, to develop other handicapping strengths. And, and use them in conjunction with the figures. And I, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, today that, you know, that with the availability of of of, of video replays in so many places, that that watching races and doing trips and understanding how the how horses have earned their figures is the you know is a the the most important part of the handicapping game. I mean, if you you know, like if you you see a horse with a dominant figure, but you know, but you you watch the race and say, gee, this horse had an absolutely perfect setup. He's never, you know, he's never going to get that again. He's never going to run a figure this big. You know, to be able to you know view the figures skeptically when it, when the when the trips say to do so uh you know and or or to know when uh when when a horse's number doesn't fully reflect how good he is uh, you know that you know that that's that's where you get the edge today you know and and the only one thing that I would add that I've seen so many other is actually keeping your emotions in check it affects money management and your overall, from what I've seen of working at two different racetracks for a number of years, that in fact I've seen so many players, they're, uh, they're lifted by emotion, and I would just throw that one in there personally just from what I've seen. Well, that Ed, is one of the eternal verities uh, <laughs> that, you know, when, you know, for, for any kind of gambling, I mean, you've, you know, you really ha- have to be on a pretty even Keel emotionally that if you look, we all <clears throat> we all get excited when we win. We all get you know uh, you know angry or depressed when we lose. But you 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 have to learn to to kind of wipe the slate clean after a bet is done, and you know and, and approach the next one with a clear mind. If you can't do that, then uh, you're, you're Maybe you should get an honest job. <laughs> Agreed completely. And uh, my slate is clean for tomorrow, as is, uh, right. is, is the great Harvey Pack would say. May the horse be with you. <laughs> Andy, it's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it for our listeners, a valuable tool for the future. On behalf of Winning Ponies, I'd like to wish you and yours the best. And we'll be looking for that next nugget of wisdom to make us. <laughs> much better players. Thank you for your time, Mr. Byer. I hope one will be forthcoming. Uh, Thanks. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Andy. That's been Mr. Andy Byer. Hopefully you caught that. 
wealth of information and look forward to his next book or next article. It's always good stuff. Time to head out to a break. When we return, we're going to be talking horses with Mr. Pistol Pete Aiello, talking a little news and some final furlong handicapping here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Foreman, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to join us. Hope you caught Andy Beyer. Always enlightening, one of the innovators and great minds of racing. And we have a gentleman online, uh, Tim. We're going to jump out to Tim. Tim, are you there? Yes, Ed, I'm here. Well, I'm sorry we couldn't grab you. Mr. Byer was uh, under time constraints. He said his electric was out, so he was glad to be with us. Is there anything you'd like to react to, and or do you have a horse for us that we should be looking for? Uh, no, well, really, you know, uh, the first comment I wanted to make about the, the whole buyer thing is, is, you know, you asked me the other day if, if there was something that I considered in my handicapping. And a lot of times, especially with circuits that I uh, am not as familiar with, I uh-huh. think the buyer, even though they're speed figures, I use them as a class indicator. I mean, a lot of times when you're looking at the equibase programs or just general, you know, past performance programs, 
you might have two horses that raced in a maiden claimer for 5,000 at six furlongs at the same track, and you really have no way of differentiating between the two. But, you know, if you use a daily racing form and you see that one of them has got a 30 buyer and the other one's got a 50 buyer, well, obviously the horse in the 50 buyer is coming out of a better race. So uh, I use them as kind of indicators. They're kind of markers for me, you know, class levels, things like that. And then another thing that I use a lot of times the buyers for is to see patterns. You know, it's easy to see in the form lines, all right, he's, he was fifth and he was fourth the next time, now he's third. But sometimes the buyers can help you read a little bit of uh, legitimacy into that in the sense that, you know, maybe he was fifth, fourth, and third. But if the buyers are going the wrong way, maybe he's not in the form cycle that you think he's in. So those are the two things that, that uh, I use buyers for, and they are an integral part of my handicapping personally. I, I, I concur. Uh, uh, they start us off. Pete, we're going to have a gentleman that's going to join us right in here. He's, he's got a got a comment or two, if that's okay with you. Uh, Tim, are Absolutely. you there? Yes. I, I apologize. So we had a ghost in the machine, and uh, Pete Iel is online. Uh, he's our he's our resident handicapper. Calls in and gives us out some winners. Tim, please, uh, I apologize for for losing you there, uh, and sorry, sorry for the interruption. Uh, no, I'm just saying how tickled I am uh, March 17th, um, in case nobody read your site. Um, I hit this and need a pick six. Oh, beautiful. For, for, for $42,475. And I hit the pick three and the pick four. That is incredible. And, and you did this with winning ponies material, correct? Uh, exactly. I've never used any other handicapping. I happen to type in handicapping and winning ponies come up, and I've been using your site for maybe six months, eight months, and then I hit the Santa Anita. And like I said in my uh, email to you, I mean, it was just like a shock. When um, Warner, Warren... Warren Skater come across the line, I didn't realize how much money I won until it popped up. Well, and, I'll tell you what, that's always a gift, isn't it? Oh, uh, a gift. It, it was, uh, gift ain't the word for it. I mean, <laughs> 42000 and I spent $120 on the play, but, uh, yeah, 42000 coming back. Is 120 is some change. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that hit the pick three and the pick four. That's still yeah. a nice wager, uh, uh, and and it paid off in space, which I'm glad to hear that, and I'm glad that Winning Ponies was actually there for you. You know, the best part about it is they're just not locked into one circuit, and and if you take a look at it, you know, we come out with free selections, blog stories. It's kind of a a one-stop shop, and I stumbled uh, stumbled on these fellows two years ago, and. We've been uh, we've been with each other ever since, and uh, and I've had a whole lot of fun. Tim, we, we'd like to thank you for your call. We're going to move on with Pete, and he's going to give us out a couple winners. Stay tuned because you're going to want to write these down in ink. All right, thanks, Ed. Th- thank you, Tim. Have a great uh, great weekend, Peter. You hey, still you there? Too. I'm still here. Hey, I'm you know, glad Tim, to hear that. Uh, from hearing that story, uh, you know the, the the amount in that particular story is great. You know, hitting for forty two thousand, but. I always, you know, when you hit the pick six or the pick four or whatever, if you can deliver multiple blows in one race, I always found that even if you're not making a whole hell of a lot, there's a special feeling that goes along with just absolutely drilling a race. You know, having the exact of the try, the super, the pick three, the pick four, the double, it really just, at least for me, it kind of jacks you up. It gives you your, you know, the confidence that you need to move forward, and it's kind of come get some kind of attitude, and that's uh, 
that's really great for him. I'm happy to hear that. You know, Pete, for you personally, you're you're more you're more of a, a three and four player, aren't you? Yeah, pick threes, pick fours. You know, I if I really like a race or I think that there's value to be had, I'll dabble in exactas and uh, you know make a small across the board wager. You know, a lot of times you you get horses in pick threes. I know that there's listeners out there that know exactly about this. You love a horse in the pick three. He wins. You miss the middle leg, third leg, or the starting leg, or what have you, and you got nothing to show for it. So I was scoring one too many times with that that little deal. So now I uh, at least make a win wager on the horse if I if I think he's that strong of a play. It seems like uh, every morning or early afternoon when I see Pete Ilo uh, picking up his handicapping goods and heading upstairs, I. I, I stop him. I know he wants to bypass my office many a times because uh, I always want to know, you know, his uh, his feelings and thoughts uh, for the smaller circuits, and, and that is strictly what you play. Correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely, and uh, that's that's what I've brought to the table this evening on winning ponies. I, I'd love to hear, Pete. Be, before we jump into your selections, there and you can pick this up on Blood Horse. It is on Equidaily. There was a special happening, and I touched on it in the very beginning. But actually, you get to see Mr. Pete Aiello conducting the interview. There was a big happening, kind of a special happening at a River Downs the other day. Well, wait a minute. This might be news to me. Do you, are you to tell me that I actually, after three years of trying, made it on Equidaily? Yes, sir, you did. Uh, and you were also on the local news blog of uh, WCPO in Cincinnati. You were on yes, there I, as I well. I saw that, and I was, you know, they did a great piece on, on Richard Ritelli, and I was just happy, you know, to be part of it. And I kind of, you know, I approached you and John and said, hey, look, there's a little something extra that's going along with this race as, as long as these guys come to play. And, uh, there was a little bit of concern that they, they were going to come to play with us just because they had ran uh, in the closing day feature at Mount Pleasant Meadows, their home base, and that was only nine days before our race. So it was, uh, it was extra special that they took a shot with that horse, and Richard's uh, you know, a heck of a nice guy. And I'll tell you one thing, guys, when, when you read that story and you read the, see that video, the man does not look 70 years old. No, he looks. He absolutely looks great, Pete. You, you did a remarkable job interviewing him. It was it, it was calm. It was directive. And you know, and from what I gathered, and I'm not the greatest quarter horse player, and and I and I always defer to your your wisdom there. So many times, you know, he actually he actually had a, a method to his madness when they break. Where they were going 350 yards. Yeah, absolutely. 350. It's kind of the middle distance. A flat mile would be the equivalent in thoroughbred racing. So okay, for three fifty, what what was uh, Richard's plan to come out of the gate? You know, you know, you see the younger guys uh, snap, snap, snap with the encourager. What did what did Richard uh, want to plan out? Well, the, you know, the thing that me and Richard actually, I talked to him to him about it. He had not seen the past performances on the race until they shipped in, and I had asked him before the interview. You know, I said, Richard, you're kind of drawn pretty good, and his eyes lit up and said, Am I? Uh, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of quarter horse speak if you're talking about being drawn well. You know, to somebody, they know what you're talking about. They know that you know what you're talking about. And a lot of times, I don't know if there's any greyhound handicappers out there. I reference the greyhound a lot. Um, but uh, in quarter horse racing especially, uh, you know, everything's about the break. The break's so important. So if you're drawn next to two horses that don't have any kind of gate speed that are notorious for, you know, maybe not getting out of the gate real, real good, uh, you know, that's a real benefit to you. And Richard was in that case. He had two horses that were next to him. One of them, actually, Richard thought was the horse to beat in the race, and she did look like she was the classiest mare in the field. But, you know, you can't give up ground to quarter horses, and especially in that case where Richard was right next door, he had the edge the whole way, and by the time they got midway, she started rolling, but he had his mouth so far in front there was no catching. 
Does that make him the oldest uh, winner of a race? You know, I, I don't know that. I know that Frank Amante, uh, he was going for, for that record. Uh, I think he still might edge Richard because I think he won a race at Northampton when he was 72. Wow. Um, Frank is definitely the oldest ride in a race. He actually rode a race at 76 years old, if I'm quoting that correct. It was somewhere in that range. And uh, I actually got the pleasure of meeting Frank when he was on that quest. And I'll tell you one thing, the guy, <laughs> certainly he did not lose his uh, vim and vinegar for the game. He was uh, he was talking trash on the rail at Tampa Bay Downs to the other riders when I saw him at 76 years old, you know. Something to the effect of, if you guys ruined in my day, I would take you all to school because you guys need to <laughs> learn that the rail is your friend. You know, you guys come off the rail so easy. Stay on the rail. It's the shortest way home. Oh, you friendly riders, you you gentlemen riders, as Eddie Delahousie once said. You know, something that's near and dear to your heart, Pete, the winning ponies, folks. Actually, they nail the fair circuits. Everything that you play, and I know that you're playing on your own time, the fair circuits and quarter horses, they actually slay them on the quarters. And they talked about the mules and the mixed breeds. I mean, they absolutely love this. They zero right in on it. It's just not uh, thoroughbreds. I mean, you know, which really surprised. It did, well, you know what? It didn't surprise because there's not a really, there's really not a, a an oval that you know they've kind of balked away from. No, no, I'm not going to play New Jersey. Oh no, no, Florida's really not my, you know, my uh, my hot hand, which was kind of nice. But uh, you know, with mixed breeds, I always found it kind of tough. But that's why every time I catch Pete Ilo in the hall, I'll say Peter, and he knows exactly what that means. Save two minutes for Ed, so he can uh, so he can at least help me out with a with a pick four, or he does incredibly well with uh, cheap claimers. Pete, uh, I twisted your thumb and, and a tremendous job on the interview. Uh, glad to see it. You looked the part, and uh, it turned out terrific. And uh, what, what a what a pleasure it was at River Downs. I mean, there's so many things that happened at the Little Oval over the years. If you go back historically and take a look at it, and that just says another page. But for this page, this is the handicapping page. What do we have from Mr. Pete Aiello? Well, you segued me beautifully, and I know you. we didn't rehearse this beforehand, but you were talking about fair circuits, and the Saratoga of my summer season begins tomorrow afternoon at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock on the West Coast. It's the Humboldt County Fair in Ferndale, California. It's one of the few remaining half-mile bull rings. You've got a lot of bull rings left that are five-eighths of a mile, but Florida Ferndale is a half a mile deal, so five eighths of a mile is a two turn race up there, and it really kind of uh, it takes you back to handicapping one on one. A lot of different uh, things that you know wouldn't normally consider even in any kind of race, you know, on the bigger circuits, uh, comes into play at Ferndale. Uh, they start the card tomorrow. The pick four tomorrow. I wanted to go through the pick four really quick. It's a unique pick four. The, the first two races are mule races. Uh, the third race is an Arabian race around two turns. And the fourth race is a thoroughbred race around two turns. So uh, it really kind of, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, it, it makes you have to be sharp. Even if the favorites, you know, get home in those races, you still kind of have to be kind of savvy, as you would say, to get <laughs> through those races. And, uh, you know, uh, the first race of the day, it does look like a free square in there. It's a 220-yard race. Now, the quarter horses and the mules at Ferndale, obviously with just the half-mile bull ring, uh, they don't have a whole lot of stretch. Uh, so the races are, are a lot shorter at Ferndale than they are at the other circuits in California. And uh, that uh, should bode well for this favorite in tomorrow's first race. She's ridiculously on the morning line, something like 2 to 5. And uh, talking about the mule named Sarah Nelson, who it wasn't even too long ago that she was the queen of the mule circuit. She since uh, got up there in age, but she certainly looks to have them over a barrel in race 1 tomorrow. She's the 2. If, uh, if I was advising you to play the pick 4 at Ferndale, I'd advise a uh, single of the 2 in the 1st. 
Uh, well, the second race is the polar opposite of that. The favorite on the morning line. We've talked about this mule on winning ponies before. It's a mule named Jet Fuel. Hmm. Now, Jet Fuel is a, uh, a big closer. Uh, and on, at Ferndale, I can't play a big closer. We're only going 220 yards. You know, Jet Fuel is the kind of mule that 400 is about his lick. Uh, and there is, as you know, quite a bit of difference between 220 and 400. So he's the morning line favorite, and he has an inside draw. Neither one of those two things appeal to me. I'm going to try to beat my friend Jet Fuel with the three-horse. He's A-OK. Uh, he's 8-1 to one in the morning line. This is a mule that showed an affinity for the Ferndale Strip. He's 8-1. to one. I'm going to spread in here, but again, we talked about win wagers. I think maybe the three is a good win wager in race two at Ferndale tomorrow. Uh, the third race is Arabians around two turns, five-eighths of a mile. Now, this is where things start getting interesting. Now, I'm a firm believer that Arabian racing and thoroughbred racing around a bull ring, there are some distinct and, and, and stark differences between those type racing on a mile track on, on a bull ring. Uh, there's, there's horses that take the bull rings very well. There's horses that don't take the bull rings at all. And a lot of it is not, you know, conventional handicapping. Okay, so-and-so is stretching out from four-and-a-half to five-eighths. He's going to get the lead and be gone. You've got to add, that, add an extra turn into the equation, and a lot of times that can slow the pace of the race down, and some of those speed horses don't like that as much. Uh, based on that, I'm going to go 2-6 in the, in the third race and feel fairly comfortable. The 2 is a uh, closer, Babe Zell. She won lights out last year at Ferndale. The 6, S.E. Butterfly, her only victory was at Ferndale, and she's a mare that uh, moves way up on the bull ring, and I think she's headed in the right direction anyway. She'll be long in there. That's a six-horse in race three. And then a thoroughbred contest, uh, one of the big angles, if I can give anybody an angle if you're playing a bull ring, whether it's Timonium or Ferndale or whatever, take a look at horses that have tactical speed going along that are running a two-turn race that's going short. So in essence, a horse that runs a mile on a mile track maybe going to six furlongs around two turns. If they have tactical speed, those are horses I love to play on a bull ring because invariably they're used to that type of race flow. Two horses fit that bill in race four tomorrow, the three nature made, who's going to be a long shot, and the favorite on the morning line, number six, Whistling Dixie. So maybe a uh, single by spread by two by two, 50 cent pick four at Ferndale tomorrow. And the best part about it is winning ponies has that one dialed up. You're not alone, Pete, because... They have folks that enjoy it just as you do. Pete, I asked for one, and I got to pick four. I can't ask for more than that. I'd like to thank you for your time, as always, my friend, and and a great job with our uh, 70-year-old quarter horse champion rider. Thanks so much, Pete. All right. You folks have a great evening. Thank you, Peter. Pete Aiello. He talked about the Mule Man Arabians. He knows no boundaries. All right. We got a minute left. Let's do some Final furlong handicapping, 10th at Saratoga on Saturday, the grade one sword dancer. In here, I like the seven grassy, 10 to 1 in the in the uh, 10th race, number seven grassy, Ramon Dominguez, Christophe Clement. They're winning 14% on the year, ran a mile and a quarter, but the race is a mile and a half. And I, as Andy Byer would say, take a look at the numbers as a divining start, and they are solid. One for one at Saratoga on the grass. It's a four-year-old colt by El Prado. Ramon Dominguez, a 10-to-1, sell me, do you get that? And that is the 7 and the 10th at Saratoga. Race 11, or excuse me, race number 10 at Monmouth Park on Saturday. I like the 5, Pluck, 4-to-1, Chris DiCarlo, Todd Fletcher. DiCarlo has the softest hands and a great turf rider. 10th at Monmouth, number 5, Pluck. And then the 11th race, the Monmouth Oak. I like the 4, and that is patriotic. Viva, 3-to-1 with Jersey Joe Bravo. 
Patriotic Viva, the 4 and the 11th at Monmouth, the 9th at Del Mar. we got the La Jolla Handicap, a grade 2. And I like the one, Leroy's Dynamo here. Leroy's Dynamo looks like something, just like a something to eat to me, a big buffet dinner. Rafael Bejarano on the rail, jumping up from grade 3 to grade 2 action. That is what I like at Del Mar. Leroy's Dynamo in the La Jolla Handicap. It's a grade 2 event in the ninth race at Del Mar. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. Tonight was definitely no exception. Winning ponies would like to thank Mr. Andy Beyer for sharing his insights and Mr. Pistol Pete Ivo for giving us out a nice pick for the Humboldt County Fair and definitely you for taking your time for tuning in with us. So until next week when we'll be handicapping horses with Mr. John Englehart, and I definitely think you'll want to be here for that. So until that point of next week, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.